This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, all of our great ESPN stations all across the country, as well as the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80. We will get to the unimportant stuff, like predictions, like football, in a second. But today is a very important day, a day that changed the lives of many, changed of all of us, changed the world forever. And we say thank you, first of all, to all of the people that protect our country and serve our country each and every day. Because what happened 22 years ago today was the most horrific day that you could ever imagine. And nobody wants to relive that or imagine that again. And we just thank those that have allowed us to have the freedom we have and have protected us to sit here for the next four hours talking about utter nonsense, football, fun, family, life, etc. And we always think about and pray about all of those that were lost on 9-11 22 years ago today. There is no words, there are no words that could serve justice to pay homage, homage and honor to those that were lost on that day. But we thank those that have protected us to allow us to make fun of Canty for the Canty Bowl <laughs> last night, as you just heard, as the Dallas Cowboys beat the New York Giants 40 to nothing, along with Chris Canty, who played for both teams, so he wins no matter what. And Michelle Smallman, the most talented person in America, because name me one other person that can cover football and Fashion Week the way that Smalls did this weekend. She did both, right? Uh, well, Chris Carlin, obviously, our fashion oh, Carlin, insider. Carlin, yes, our fashion, fashion insider. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to, uh, to match his level. But, yeah, went straight from um, our show to the Giovanni Fashion Show. I mean, <laughs> so did Canty and I. We just didn't see you there. Front row. Front row. Front row. Front row. Now, we were me. at the Prada one. We didn't see, we didn't see you there. We were the... No, no, we weren't no. we were, we were there at all. We weren't there at all. So do you look at yourself as winning last night? Because you played for both teams. No, I didn't win because my prediction came fell through. Like I, I was sitting here saying that the New York Giants had a chance to be able to cover, and we're talking about the Cowboys' largest margin of victory in a shutout loss ever. 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 There have only been four season openers where there have been shutouts and the margin of victory has been 40 points or more. Only four. And the Giants find themselves on the wrong side of that history. There's no way that I thought that game could go off the rails like it did. But, of course, Daniel Jones with the third down on the, on the fringe of the red zone ends up bobbling the snap, destroys the drive completely, forces the Giants to settle for a field goal. The field goal gets blocked, kick six, and that – set the tone for the rest of the game because it was an onslaught by the Dallas Cowboys defense. Now, I know, CeCe, that you did not think the Cowboys were going to come out and do this in the opener versus the Giants, but did you learn more about the Cowboys last night or or did you learn more about the state of the Giants last night? Because to me, it was more about the Cowboys. I didn't think that they were going to – I thought that they would win the game. I didn't think they would do it in this dominant a fashion. Well, let me ask you this question, and I hate answering a question with a question, but – but here's what, the question. But here's what, the question. What, what, did, what did you see from Mike McCarthy as a play caller? What did you see from Dak Prescott as a quarterback? Anything to impress you? 
It was more about the defense for me. That's my thing. Like, like, I still have the questions that I had about Dallas coming right. into this season. E, it wasn't about what we were going to get on the defensive side of the ball. It was about McCarthy as a play caller, a game manager. And it was about Dak Prescott. Can he be a force multiplier when he needs to be? Now, last night he didn't need to be because the defense scored two touchdowns in the first quarter. And I'm including the special teams as a part of the defense because most of the special teams is comprised of defensive players. But when you look at how the Cowboys scored – all of their touchdowns, you're, you're talking about them being set up by the defense if the, unless the defense scored it itself. I want to say two of the three offensive touchdowns were set up by turnovers by the defense. The only offensive touchdown that wasn't was the opening drive of the second half where they marched 10 plays, 75 yards. Other than that, it's interceptions, it's fumble recoveries, it's pressures, it's turnovers on downs. The defense put the offense in position to win, and at times the defense was the Cowboys' offense. And so all of the questions that we had about Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott are still there. But with this defense being as dominant as it showed last night, those things might not even matter. See, I don't know that that's 100% fair how I look at it. Because what was a big Dak Prescott thing over the, over the offseason? I'm not going to throw as many interceptions. I'm not going to turn the ball over. He made that big declarative statement that was unnecessary, right? He didn't have to do that necessarily. And he did. And so, yes, last night was about defense and special teams. But how many times have we all seen quarterbacks have solid defense, solid special teams, and then turn the ball over. I mean, we saw it, and we'll get to it, Mac Jones in the first quarter. And Mac Jones had a great game for New England last yeah, yesterday, well. yep. even though they lost. But yeah. in the first quarter, he had great defense, and he turned the ball over, and it hurt the team. So, yeah, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to give Dak Prescott credit for not turning the ball over in terms of interceptions. 13-24-143. Not overly impressive. I understand that. As you see on this screen on ESPN2 and ESPNU, he's got an 11-game winning streak against the Giants, which is unbelievable. But in general, I do have to give credit to Dak Prescott for doing what he said he would do this season, which is not turn the ball over. Well, it's a one-game sample size. We'll see. One win does not a season make. And Dak Prescott did a good job of keeping things in perspective in the post-game press conference. He said wins rarely look the way they did tonight. Mm -hmm. And so I think having that level of awareness matters, especially in a top leadership position on the team, and that's the quarterback spot. But at the same time, I need more from Dak Prescott. I do. I need to see more. Now, last night he didn't have to give us more Correct. because yes. the defense got out to a hot start. You're talking about them being able to score two touchdowns in the first quarter. It was 16 nothing before you could even blink. Well, can I ask you a question on this? So, What's up? When you get out to that big lead because you don't expect – I assume even in games you play where you thought, all right – our team is way better than the other team. You still don't expect to get out to a big lead that quickly, that early on. Do you change your game plan a little bit? Like, if you're Mike McCarthy and you're Dak Prescott, are you saying, you know what, let's just make sure we don't lose. We already won. We have a half to not lose. Do you change your game plan a little bit? Well, you're more conservative with your calling. You don't have to be aggressive because you don't want to give the other team any oxygen. And last night, if the Giants were going to find a way to get back in that game, it damn sure wasn't going to be their defense. No. I mean, their offense. It was going to have to be their defense. That was what was going to have to step up and make a play to change the momentum. But here's the thing. The Cowboys' defense was so dominant. Seven sacks on Daniel Jones, 23 pressures on Daniel Jones, 23 pressures, 23. He was under duress the entire time. And it seemed like the Cowboys defense had Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and that offense figured out. They knew what the Giants were going to do before the Giants even snapped the ball. And that's the part that's got to be alarming for Giants fans, which is why I think we learned more about the Giants and what we can expect from them this season than what the Cowboys did. Because although the Cowboys defense is going to be a constant, as they've shown, 
nobody, and I mean nobody, could have expected that the Giants' offense would look as anemic as it did yesterday. The offensive line all of a sudden is a problem. We thought that got fixed last year. Not so much. Daniel Jones turning the ball over. We thought that got fixed in Brian Dable's first year. Not so much last night. Those are problems. Darren Waller, we thought that was going to make a huge impact in terms of being a difference maker and having more productivity in the passing game. That wasn't the case. And so now it feels like this Giants offense is back to square one or more aptly, back to the first three years of Daniel Jones' career. And if that ends up being the norm for 2023, then what the hell is this Giants team going to look like? Where, where, where are they going to finish in the NFC East? Right now, I have a hard time not seeing them be the worst team in that division, and it's scary to say it because of the expectations that we put on them after they had the season they did last year. But that's why we gave so much praise to Brian Dayball, because they weren't supposed to do what they did last year. I think we all thought – as of last year, that maybe they were a year or two away of, of being what they were last year. So they exceeded expectations. But to just emphasize, Cece, what you were talking about, the Cowboys pressure, you mentioned those 23 pressures. Uh, 23 on Daniel Jones, 42 dropbacks, 55% of the pressures. The highest rate that he's faced in his career, he went 7 for 15, 52 yards and in an interception along with those 7 sacks. He didn't have time to think or breathe last night. The Cowboys defense absolutely stifled him. Well, let me ask. Let me answer the CC question. CC said, "What happens to the Giants if this is Daniel Jones?" Well, first thing is Saquon Barkley's a Raven. If they're, they're, I mean, with the yeah. unfortunate injury yeah. that occurred yesterday with J.K. Dobbins and the Ravens' win over um, the Texans yesterday, which, by the way, I said to everybody that was the survivor pick because everybody's like, "Oh, you're going to pick Washington over Arizona," and I was like, "I, I don't know." I mean, CC loves Washington. That game was touch and go, though. Right, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That's a that friend is of mine. Not the game you wanted yesterday. A friend of mine calls me on Saturday night and he's like, "What do I do, survivor pick?" I said, "I'd go Baltimore." He goes, yep. "Even with the nine point spread, if they if you use with the spread," I said, "Yes," because that Washington Arizona game was just weird. But anyway, so J.K. Dobbins gets hurt, unfortunately, right out for the season with a torn Achilles and. To answer your question, what happens to Saquon is, well, the Ravens may knock on some doors, whether it's Saquon or Jonathan Taylor, um, as our great producer Jerry brought up. Like, hey, maybe they start looking at Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. Obviously, we'll get into that conversation. The other thing is, we're acting surprised about the Giants, right? We're acting surprised, and I think the way in which they lost, we should be surprised. Yes. But, that said, I did not have them in the playoffs before the season. I thought, obviously, the Eagles would be in. I was high on the Cowboys, as you guys know. CeCe's been high on the uh, Commanders. But if you look at something, okay, because as an obsessive Belichick guy like I am, there is a little kind of known tale about Belichick assistants. Everybody says, oh, they're terrible, they're terrible. They're not always terrible as head coaches, and they're definitely not terrible in year one. But what they do in year two is come back to life. Eric Mangini with the Jets, 10-6 and six in year one, 4-12 and 12 in year two. Oof. Nick Saban, Dolphins, 9-7 and seven in year one, 6-10 and 10 in year two. Hmm. Josh McDaniels, 8-8 eight and eight in year one with the Broncos, Three and nine doesn't even make it through the next season, the next year. Romeo Cornell, six and ten, then four and twelve. Joe Judge, six and ten, four and thirteen. Just throwing this out there. The Belichick assistant usually overachieves in year one and underachieves in year two. Maybe Brian Dayball becomes that next example. Okay, if that ends up being the reality for the Giants, then is the Daniel Jones contract a mistake? Because it certainly feels like it today. It certainly feels like it. Like, I understand we want to make the excuses for him because the offensive line was so porous last night. Micah Parsons is that dude. And the right guard for the Giants was the fish last night. Like, they just kept lining Micah Parsons up over the right guard. He just kept putting pressure on pressure on pressure on Daniel Jones. But if that ends up being the case, like, 
Are we looking at Daniel Jones' contract as a mistake by the New York Giants, giving him $40 million a year, $82 million guaranteed? Is that a mistake? It has to be viewed as a mistake by the Giants. If they underachieve, you're saying. If he's yeah. part of the reason. If, yeah. if what you're saying with Brian Dable as, is, the next example. as the next example of the Belichick disciples that fall flat in year two, then a lot of this is going to be on Daniel Jones. And guys, when you pay a quarterback that kind of money, he's going to have to overcome something. Right? It, everything is not going to be ideal. You're not going to have the best skill position players. You're not going to have the best offensive line. You're not going to have the best defense. You just can't because it's a salary cap sport. So at some point, your quarterback has to overcome something. Daniel Jones didn't overcome a damn thing last night. He looked like he was playing hot potato with the football once we got into the second half. And I love the fact that Brian Dabo left him in the game because you need to die on your shield as a quarterback. But if you wanted all of this money, then you got to take the responsibility and after a loss like that, the accountability, and this has got to be hung on Daniel Jones as much as anybody else in that Giants organization. I completely agree with everything you're saying, Cece, but my counter is the Giants were kind of in between a rock and a hard place based on what Jan- Daniel Jones' production was at that time. It's kind of a tale as old as time in the NFL where a, a franchise is forced to pay a quarterback money they don't necessarily know if they're going to earn moving forward. Well, no, they weren't. They, all you had to do was franchise tag them. Well, you, 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 know, you worry about Saquon Barkley walking, but just pay Saquon what you're going to pay him. I'd rather pay Saquon $13 million a year and have $26 million guaranteed on that contract as opposed to paying Daniel Jones $40 million a year and having $82 million on that contract. Go ahead and go into the season with the franchise tag. That's what it's for. We still had questions about Daniel Jones this offseason. That's not revisionist history. To guarantee him that kind of contract when a guy threw 15 touchdown passes in a year is absolutely ridiculous. And I feel like it's one of those deals that's going to come back to haunt the Giants over the next two seasons. Yeah, I will tell you this, though. They have the best medicine next week. They have the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, don't, if you're going there, then, then you want to know, know about a hot mess team? They're your hot mess team, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. We keep wow. talking about sneaky tank teams. The way things looked last night, I don't know. Yeah, that ain't on purpose. No, no, it ain't on purpose. They might end up falling into it, though. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine? You give Daniel Jones that contract, then you end up with Caleb Williams. Wow. Wow. All right, coming up. Some great coaches making head-scratching decisions in week one of the NFL. We'll get to that next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance. So that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com morning, code morning, for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM Channel 80, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, ESPNU, ESPN2. You can follow us on Twitter at UnsportsESPN. The call yesterday heard on all of our great ESPN stations across the country, Steve Levy, Sal Palantonio on that call, of Philadelphia's win over New England yesterday, 25-20 on Tom Brady Day. They did honor Tom Brady. He spoke yep. at halftime. He ran out. He did his normal, you he know, fist the bump. Bell. Yeah, yep. he rang that, which is new. They just put that whole light tower up this year. Yep. Cheap project. Very, very, a couple, just a couple of bucks. <laughs> it's like they're going to get a coffee or got a light tower. So they got a light, light tower. tower yeah. They went with the light tower there. No shortage of money up there. No, well, all from the Kraft family, so give them credit. They did yeah. not ask anybody else to do it. It was all from their family and their family foundation, so great job by them. But it's weird, guys, because <laughs> I actually think New England exceeded expectations yesterday, Smalls. Philadelphia did not, yeah. for as per what we expected from them, and yet Philadelphia still wins the game 25-20. When you guys were watching that game, didn't you think that New England was going to win? Yes. Didn't you think yeah. New England was going to pull off yes. the upset? Well, yeah, because of a bonehead didn't. decision by Nick Sirianni to go for it on fourth and two at midfield. And I don't care what analytics say. And that's why I hate analytics when it comes to football. Because analytics said it was the right move to go for it. And instead, you end up giving the ball back to the Patriots at midfield rather than finishing out the game because you don't convert. And you give them an opportunity to win that football game at the end. You're talking about a booty foot toenail away from being able to convert on that fourth down and have a chance to score a touchdown. That was an absolutely ridiculous call. No matter how it worked out. I hate when we have this thing in sports where you say it's hindsight because it works out that it ends up making it the right decision. Yeah. It wasn't the right decision for Nick Sirianni to go forward in that spot. It was absolutely ridiculous. Again, I don't care what analytics says. You don't give the ball back to the team trailing by five with less than two minutes to go at midfield. You punt it away and you put it on your defense and you force Mac Jones to drive 80 yards. That's what you do. Make him drive 80 yards with a minute and a half and one timeout. And if you can do that, more power to him. Then that means your defense and Sean Desai, your new defensive coordinator, came up short. But don't gift them an opportunity, leave the door open, and then let it come down to a repay review of Booty and whether or not he got the other foot down. I love how you say, you're, you're pronouncing the name so you don't actually say Booty. Yeah, It's Booty. <laughs> you can say Booty. Just say booty, Kenny. I don't want to say it. Say booty. I don't want to say, say booty. it. Say booty. I don't want to say booty. Booty. You, know you know what was booty? That call by Nick Sirianni <laughs> to go for it on fourth and two. Well, let's listen. That was booty. Let's listen to his booty explain why he went for it on fourth and two. <laughs> Again, we just try to give him options in situations like that. Uh, I guess the, really the the. The word, again, I'm going to say is conviction, um, conviction that our offense is going to succeed, um, conviction that we'll, we'll call the right play to put them in position to, to make a play, and conviction if we don't that our defense will, will get a stop. Yeah, I mean, I, Smalls, I didn't have as much of a problem with it as CC did. A lot of people also had a problem with Belichick, fourth and three from the Philadelphia 17-yard line, going for it with 9.32 in the game, left in the game, down 22-14. You kick the field goal. Reminder, Patriots have a rookie field goal kicker. You kick the field goal, he makes it, it's 22-17. But a lot of people had an issue with that. I mean, there was a lot of fourth and eight. Yep. They went for it, and they actually, Hunter Henry had a ridiculous one-handed catch to actually um, convert in that spot. But there was a lot of confidence in Mac Jones yesterday, and it's weird. Mac Jones had two opportunities, Smalls, late in the game to actually put it away for New England. Didn't come up on either one of them. Had off, they had awful turnovers in the first quarter, 
Yeah, this, I actually think as a Pats fan, this is one of the best Mac Jones games I've seen in a while, even despite all of that stuff. Yeah, as a Pats fan, Evan, did you walk away from that even despite the loss, despite the fact that they weren't able to come up with it on Tom Brady Day, feeling positive about the state of this team right now? See, that's where it gets tricky. You're putting me in a, in a corner on this because you're right to 100%. do it. 100%. Because here's the thing. As a Pats fan, the moral victory doesn't exist or shouldn't exist. You have 20 years of Tom Brady. The moral victory concept does not exist. Except yesterday. I'm like, wow, they're actually pretty good. Miami's coming in next week, and Miami was awesome yesterday. Tua throwing 400-plus yards. I'm like, well, they can win. I also will tell you, it's the mark of a great team. CeCe knows this better than we do, obviously. It's the mark of a great team where you're like, I don't think we played that well. We're on the road. We're playing against Belichick, and we still win. Yeah. Philadelphia, you got to give them credit just finding a way to win. Yeah, you give Philadelphia credit, but I mean, as far as moral victories with the Pats are concerned, I don't think they have a lot of room for moral victories with their schedule. They're in the AFC East. They play the AFC West, and they've got the NFC. They've got uh, the NFC East. So I, I just don't know that there's going to be a lot of margin for error in terms of giving away opportunities to win football games. And the one that really sticks out to me. He is the penultimate drive, the second-to-last drive. When you got the ball in plus territory, Mac Jones ends up taking a sack on second down. They get a delay a game on third down, and all of a sudden they end up in fourth and 17. And then Hunter Henry drops a pass. That sequence can't happen in game-winning situations. You just got to be better. Now, I'm not pinning that all on Mac Jones. No, but, but you're Patri- right on the delay but, game. But the Patriots' offense yeah. as a whole has to be better. You can't afford to give away opportunities like that. Now, that being said... You had another opportunity, and you didn't capitalize on it. You came really close, but you didn't capitalize. But to me, moral victories, I don't know that Bill Belichick or Mac Jones can afford a lot of those this year. This is a season where both of those guys got to actually get wins. Any concerns about the Eagles' offense? Yes, they were able to pull out the victory. Nick Sirianni talked about the fact that a lot of these players didn't play in the preseason, and so they were getting that work in real time. But, you know, at one point they went three and out on four straight possessions. They did look a little rusty at times. Here's why I would say no, Smalls. I don't even think this is a bold statement. It may come off like a hot take. I think the Patriots have the best defense in the NFL. I think the Patriots have the best defense in the NFL. Well, there's a, there's a team in Dallas that's going to have something to say about it. <laughs> Good. That. Bring it. There's a team. Oh, in now Dallas he's a Cowboy today. Well, listen, <laughs> guess what? We get to find out about it in, uh, in week four. Dallas Cowboys get a visit from the New England Patriots. I'm telling you, their defense is nasty. Matthew Judon with the red sleeves is awesome rushing the passer. They have the they have two rookies. Cam White, a second-round pick out of Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Excellent. And Christian Gonzalez on, a, on that fourth down play that you didn't like, that call – Simultaneously, you, I mean, separately, you can also give Christian Gonzalez great credit because yes. he swiped the ball away and guy had a sack on a, uh, on a corner blitz. I'm telling you, New England's defense is the best defense in the NFL. Their offense is not, but they are the best defense in the NFL. All right, coming up, the most sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moments of the weekend. We will get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman. Unsportsmanlike. Don't give them an opportunity, leave the door open, and then let it come down to a repay review of Booty and whether or not he got the other foot down. I love how you say, you're, you're pronouncing the name so you don't actually say Booty. Just say Booty, Kenny. I don't want to say it. Say Booty. I don't want to say it. Say Booty. I don't want to say it. Booty. Booty. (laughs) (laughs) Booty is Rudy. (laughs) Oh, God. I needed a jersey. This is for Booty. This is for Booty. Are you going to give him the slow clap, too? We're not aligned in the slow clap. We're Booty and I think Smalls just said breast in her live read. I just want to put that out there. I don't even know. All right, we're flying. I'm Sportsman like on ESPN Radio. Also, by the way, along with Super Bowl champion Chris Candy, who played for both the Cowboys and the Giants as well as the Ravens. More of a Cowboy. More of a Cowboy guy today. And Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. By the way, um, Smalls, I'm not trying to take your shtick. But you're known as the clumsy one. Uh, I, as yes. you were just doing the sports center, I tried to move this big phone yeah. onto the desk because I'm like, okay, well, if we're going to have calls, yeah. I got to see where the phones are. For sure. And Candy started dying because I couldn't physically bring it onto the desk. <laughs> yeah, you were fumbling the phone more yeah. than Daniel Jones was fumbling the ball last night. I could not bring this phone. It was phone. absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> He's sitting there just laughing this at me. This is and I'm, huge. It's, it's an When's enormous phone. When's the last time you guys used a landline? I can't remember. Do you even have a landline I don't, now? but I should because no. I have kids. Yeah, so, so you theoretically, need to have like an emergency yeah, phone, that yeah, type of deal? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I don't. I, I don't either. Remember being on the phone, <laughs> twisting your finger in the cord? Those were the days. No, the best no, was not when. At <laughs> not at all. Those, what about, those were never the days. What uh-huh. about if you would call someone that you had a crush on, right? Yeah. So whoever that person was out there that you had a crush on. And then you had to go through the dad or the mom to get to the person. Yeah. It's like, hi, Mr. Canty. Is your daughter there? You know how scary that is? Oh, I'm sure. Like the idea of going through the dad in general? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moments from the weekend at, at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So what we're looking for is, in essence, the best and worst or the best and funniest, however you want to look at it from this weekend. We want it from you guys. Best and worst of the weekend at 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776 or at Unsports ESPN on Twitter. Your best and worst or best and funniest. CC, give us yours both to kick us off. Okay, so my best for the weekend has to be Coco Golf, right? Becoming the first American teenager to win a Grand Slam since Serena did it in 99. And the thing I love about Coco is that she is equal parts respectful and petty because when she won, she gave a shout-out to Billie Jean King. Because Billie Jean King paved the way for her to get a $3 million check for winning the U.S. Open, Mm -hmm. establishing women's tennis as the power that it is today. 
but then also gave a shout-out to her haters and saying thank you to you guys because you motivated me and you keep that fire burning inside of me. So shout-out to Coco Golf for being able to get that done. So you're in love with that Coco. Go ahead. I'm in love with the Coco. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay, so my unsportsmanlike, most unsportsmanlike play this weekend, Packers, Bears, okay. third quarter, Rashawn Johnson, rookie from Texas, running back for the Chicago Bears, Runs over Rudy Ford, DB for the Green Bay Packers, not once, but twice. But what makes this unsportsmanlike was that he got an unsportsmanlike conduct <laughs> penalty after getting run over twice, which is pretty damn hard to do. I guess he was holding on to Rashawn Johnson's ankle or whatever, and that ends up setting up a touchdown from Justin Fields to Darnell Mooney. But that's got to be the most unsportsmanlike play of the weekend. Getting run over is embarrassing. Getting run over twice in the same play and then getting a 15-yard penalty tacked on top of it, that's unsportsmanlike. Yikes. Is that one of those things, CeCe, where you know it's going to be played at practice? Oh, yeah. No, not at practice. Like in the the, the film film room, in the review, they're going to rewind that a few times, (laughs) the Chicago Bears. Actually, some of your teammates might rewind it, too. Like, dog, we won the game, but you caught a fade right here. You lost this one. And it's never a good thing, Smalls. When you got grass stains on the back oh, of your jersey, never no. as a defensive player, that's never a good thing. No, yeah, I, w- I was thinking in that moment he's going to have to relive this. One yeah, over that's bad. And over that's and bad. Over again. That's bad. All right, well, you gave a shout out to Coco, and just two more things about her quickly. I love that moment of her going into the stands and embracing with her family and her dad crying for the first time. Really special. I also love this younger generation of athletes. She wins, and what does she do? She gets on the court and she's doing a TikTok to celebrate. I just I I love her her essence and her energy. But on the on the men's side, shout out to Novak Djokovic. He defeated Daniil Medvedev uh, Sunday. He wins the Open. It was his 24th major championship, which match, matches Margaret Court for the most Grand Slam si- singles title in tennis history, if I could get through that. But my other part of this that I love is how afterwards he unveils the Kobe shirt that he had on, on underneath. It was a picture of he and Kobe on the front, and he talked about the relationship that the two of them had afterwards. And I just thought that that was a really cool, cool moment for Djokovic and a nice way for him to honor his friend and Kobe Bryant who was such a mentor to him and always talked about that winning mentality. How player is it to have that underneath because you know you're going to win? You know win, you're going to win. Just yep. so you can, you can flex that one. He's won so much I think he's aware of that. I mean he's won three tournaments, three majors this year. Guy's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I fought forever fed over Joker. There's no fight anymore. Unsportsmanlike moment Smalls. Okay so I don't know if this is necessarily unsportsmanlike so we're gonna, it's, it's in the gray area but I want to throw it out there. So the Washington Commanders, you have them making the playoffs. Yeah. They had their first victory over the Arizona Cardinals, twenty to sixteen, and they have a new. It's a new dawn and a new day yeah. in Washington. Josh Harris, new ownership. Ron Rivera gives him the game ball after the win. Seems like a nice symbol, mm-hmm. but he had also done it in the preseason. Weak. And so to me... You can't do the kiss butt move twice. That's what I was going to ask you guys. <laughs> it is a new ownership, and it is the first official win during no. the regular season. Nuh-uh. But does this reek of, hey, I know you might be looking to clean house. We're buddies. I'm giving you the shine that after you After every win, Smalls? <laughs> Just give him a game after ball. every yeah, win, what, what, do game ball. what do you think, guys? Like, Sam Howell, listen. <laughs> I, knew, I know you throw for, threw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. Game ball, Josh Harris. <laughs> Here we go. And you know what? I'd like to run the Sixers and the Devils, too, because he owns those teams. All right, sportsmanlike moments. Because I'm now already influenced by Chris Canty about being right. Canty loves winning. I love being right. Right. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence looked really good yesterday. <laughs> there were some passes. So my sportsmanlike moment, my best of the weekend. I know, every, rightfully so, we're going to get into the Packers and the Dolphins and how great they were. And the Niners. 
But I loved what I saw from Trevor Lawrence, and I love that combination with Calvin Ridley. They looked really good together. That's, yeah. So that's my sportsmanlike. My unsportsmanlike, courtesy of RG3, who you guys know I don't know personally, but I've said to both of you, I think RG3 is phenomenal on the air. I love all of his, his NFL and college football coverage. He was covering his school this weekend, Baylor, for us here at ESPN, and he was in the midst, in the crowd, and take a listen to the moment, the funniest moment of the weekend, what RG3 had to say about being in the crowd at Baylor. I can't wait to get in the thick of one of the greatest college football traditions in the world. I'm getting in the thick of it like Kyle Lowry. Let's go! I'm getting in the thick of it like Kyle Lowry. Now, wow. my front-running why, fandom— Why is Kyle Lowry oh, catching thick. the straight? I'm a Heat fan. <laughs> so why is he catching the straight? <laughs> I don't know how Kyle— Like, Kyle Lowry having anything to do with RG3 or Baylor is unbelievable. So, yeah. I thought there were some other ones I thought about, but I thought that one in the thick of it, like Kyle Lowry. That's pretty good. Can you That's imagine if you're Kyle Lowry watching at home? You're like, what? Well, like, right, I'm pretty sure Kyle Lowry wasn't watching Baylor. No, he is now. Yeah, he probably, probably is now. I'm surprised you didn't go with Hayden Hurst throwing Bryce Young's first touchdown pass into the stands in Atlanta. Now, I get it. Hayden Hurst used to play for the Falcons, wanting to have something to say for the fans. Dog, it's Come your on. quarterback's first touchdown pass. How are you going to throw that in the stands? How about That's unsportsmanlike. Big time. How, how about his first complete? There were two quarterbacks yesterday that their first completion of the season was to themselves. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bryce yes. Young completed a pass to himself, and Desmond Ritter of the Falcons completed a pass to himself. Now, is that sportsmanlike or unsportsmanlike? Uh... Is that good or bad? I mean, I, it's not a good thing. I don't think it's, it's not. Great. It's not a it's bad not thing. At least you have a completion. You get, you get the bad stats a little bit. Way, you know what? Also, I realized I did this whole effort to bring this phone here. I don't think this phone is connected to our phone lines. Yeah, I don't think so either. No, no, because <laughs> I'm work. looking at the board and it's different than here. So for no apparent reason, I took a massive <laughs> phone and brought it to the desk, knocked into things, including the microphone, and it doesn't even connect to our show. Yeah. That's that a, makes that, a lot that's of sense. Unsportsmanlike. There you go. go. All right, 888 say ESPN. I, now I and can't now put it down. It I don't know what to do. Court. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Here. It doesn't Hello? need to be on the desk. Hello. Get it off of the desk. Mom? Okay, I'll call you back. I'm on the, I'm on the air nationally here. It's kind of a big deal, this show. All right, uh, 888 say ESPN, 888-729-3776. We want your best and worst from the weekend or best and funniest from the weekend with your sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moments. Plus, we'll go upon further review with Candy's observations from the NFL Sunday next on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. 
Audio courtesy of the Browns Radio Network, heard on ESPN Cleveland, 850. And shout out and best wishes to Jim Donovan, the voice of the Browns, as the Browns and Donovan announced after that game yesterday that he's going to step away from his play-by-play duties, along with Nathan Zagura uh, on the Browns, Gerard Cherry on the Browns Radio to uh, deal with the treatment for his leukemia. Jim Donovan, all-time great broadcaster, all-time great play-by-play guy, kind, gentle, wonderful guy. So we root for Jim in his health. Browns are a big story. Kenny's got some observations upon further review. Let's get to it. I mean, I, I first of all, we have to start. I'm glad. I was waiting for the music because Nuno's got to cue that up. I got to get in my mold when yeah. you have the football music. The it, just, it just makes it right, right, to, in order to get into this. Okay, so upon further review, got a new nickname for Russell Wilson. Check down Charlie because that's what he was in the game yesterday. And so even though the stats seemed like they were average stats, 27 to 34 for 177 yards and two touchdowns, looking at it a little bit closer, Russell Wilson targeted running backs as much as he did wide receivers. And he had a whopping 4.1 air yards per attempt. There were only two quarterbacks yesterday that had fewer air yards per attempt. Okay, so that's not exactly where you want to live. Their offense routinely faced loaded boxes, seven- and eight-man fronts. It makes it hard for them to get more out of their running game, even though Javante Williams showed that he was healthy yesterday. But even with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing an interception in the end zone after having first and goal at the one, the Denver Broncos still weren't able to capitalize on it, and a big part about it is Russell Wilson checking the ball down all over the field all day long. You can't win games like that, and that's not why they're paying him $48.5 million a year. Next, the San Francisco 49ers. Are they the best team in the NFC? They damn sure looked like it in Pittsburgh yesterday. I, I mean, offensively, they rolled, literally and figuratively. Christian McCaffrey had a career-high rushing yards after contact. 112 of his 153 yards came after first contact. Wow. Brock Purdy tossed a couple of touchdowns, and defense didn't allow a first down for the Steelers' offense until after the two-minute warning in the first half. Think about that. No first downs for the Steelers' offense until the first half was pretty much over. Absolutely dominant performance. Also, Drake Jackson, the pass rusher opposite of Nick Bosa, really good at football. Three sacks from him yesterday. Drizzy. Drizzy. All right, (laughs) keeping it pushing. The Dolphins are the most explosive offense in the NFL. Let me say that again. The Miami Dolphins are the most explosive offense in the NFL. I'm knocking things off on my microphone because that's how explosive they were yesterday. Two and co averaged eight yards per play. For context, league average in week one, was 4.8 yards per play. No one else was north of six yards per play. If Tua stays healthy, this is a team that could turn itself into the biggest challenger for the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. I know what I'm saying. This is a team that can look the Chiefs eye-to-eye when it comes to explosiveness on the offensive side of the ball. And if you can match Pat Mahomes with scores, you're going to have a chance. This is one of the few offenses in the NFL that can actually get this done. Next, it's safe for fans in Believe Land to trust their eyes. It's safe. The Browns are much improved on the defensive side of the ball. I know that everybody wants to talk about Joe Burrow spitting a bit, but listen, that Browns defense sacked him twice, but they hit him 10 times. They forced a career-worst passer rating for the highest-paid player in league history. And quite frankly, they had the best debut of anybody in the AFC North yesterday. And Nick Chubb and that running game – Rush for over 200 yards. Anytime you have 40 rush attempts in the game, you're doing something right. That offensive line is downright dominant. And that offensive line, run game, and defense is going to win a lot of games for the Cleveland Browns. And last but not least, 
Dallas Cowboys defense is so good that it might not matter what the offense does. It just might not matter. I mean, the obvious questions coming into this season around Dallas were with McCarthy and Dak Prescott, but Dallas' defense has scored twice on defensive special teams in the first quarter. They were the last team to score the first two touchdowns of a season came uh, in 2016 when they scored with the Minnesota Vikings, where they scored their first two touchdowns on defense. That Dallas Cowboys defense set everything up for that Cowboys offense if they weren't being the offense themselves. So those are my observations from week one of the NFL season upon further review. Any comments, any observations? Yeah, um, so Dolphins, second most explosive offense, or maybe the most explosive offense, second best team in relation to Kansas City is an interesting one. I think Cincinnati treated yesterday like the preseason. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they treated yesterday like the preseason because Joe Burrow and company didn't really play in the preseason at all, and the Browns, that's not anything away from the Browns. They dominated. The Browns were great yesterday, and Deshaun Watson was not that good early and then just turned it on. And they looked great in that game yesterday. And best defense, you know, I said I think New England has the best is going to have the best defense in the league. San Francisco, Dallas, Cleveland, a lot of other defenses obviously are going to um, have what to say about that one. But yeah, I mean, Dolphins as the most explosive team and the biggest contender potentially to Kansas City is one to keep an eye on. Um, I'm so with you on the Dolphins. They were so explosive, so fast, so exciting to watch. I can't wait to see the Jets in action tonight and, mm. and the Bills, obviously, to really kind of make heads and tails of that division because there's we saw the Patriots last night better than I think a lot of people expected them to be. The Dolphins look like they're certainly going to be a force. That division is going to be so fun to watch. One of my main takeaways from yesterday was that the Browns are legit. We had so many questions about Deshaun Watson and if we were going to see the version of him that the Browns paid for or the version of him that we saw last year for the final six games. He certainly looks like he is. He's playing like freer. His mind, it just it feels like he's got a lot off of his shoulders and he yep. looks more comfortable. And then on top of that, with the defense yesterday, they absolutely blitzed Joe Burrow um, 39% of the time. The Browns defense just looked great. The ground game, Deshaun Watson improved. The Browns are legit. And I can imagine that the fans in Cleveland are so pumped after yesterday's game. Uh, yes, I can confirm that. <laughs> Knowing a lot of them at our affiliate there in our station there, ESPN 850 yep. WKNR. All right, let's get some calls in at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We want to hear from you on the sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moment of the weekend, best and worst or best and funniest. Let's talk with Antoine watching on ESPN2 in Chicago. What's up, Antoine? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good morning. How are you? What's up, Antoine? Well, good, good. Uh, Sportsman like Justin Fields getting Jordan Love family some good tickets to Soldier Field. <laughs> yeah, because Jordan Love, we had the whole storyline yeah. of Jordan Love's yeah. mom sitting in the last yeah. row in, the in Kansas Rapids. City. Yeah. <laughs> they actually better, got her nice seats. seats. Yeah, that's seats a good one. Time, yeah. Good one. Right. On Sportsman like 104 years, we still getting creamed by the Packers. We're <laughs> <laughs> on the clock. Well done. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, that's a tough one. ESPN 1000 oh. in Chicago today is going to be nasty about the Bears. And I know that uh, Jay Hood, Cap and Jay Hood have um, uh, Matt Eberflus, the head coach, on every single week on Mondays. That's going to be a fun one today. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was shocking. No, guys. it was bad. But here's the thing. The Bears offense couldn't sustain drives because Braxton Jones couldn't stop getting penalties. I mean, the guy had, what, three false starts and a couple of holding calls? It was absolutely awful. Like, he was supposed to be the guy that they had trusted, and he was a rookie last year, and he exceeded expectations. They said, okay, we'll let you stay at left tackle, draft Darnell right. He's going to be our right tackle. Well, listen, the confidence that they showed in him this offseason was not rewarded in kind yesterday. Braxton Jones, the left tackle for the Chicago Bears, has got to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Justin Fields ain't going to make it through the season. But imagine waking up this morning as a Bears fan. Oof. You thought – 
it was Brett Favre that terrorized us. Then it was Aaron Rodgers. And we don't really know about this Jordan Love character. He's an unproven commodity. But we finally, on the other side of things, have Justin Fields. We have a promising young quarterback. He's got a number one target in DJ Moore. And then it's the same old story. You dealt with it. You went to Illinois. You know oh, these Bears fans. All my friends were miserable yesterday. I mean, that is that is as demoralizing a loss as maybe. It's an interesting one. The most demoralizing loss yesterday. Giants or Bears? Or is there another one you want to throw out there? I don't know. The I Giants mean, the, was The Steelers good. got their teeth kicked in. And Mike Tomlin said as much in the postgame press conference. Yeah. That's a demoralizing loss. That is. That yeah. is. All right, coming up, uh, the 49ers, they were dominant, absolutely dominant yesterday. Did they show that they're the clear favorites in the NFC? We will get to that coming up in just a couple of minutes here because what they did yesterday, as you just mentioned, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, oh, boy. And that's the Tomlin. That's that's the Tomlin, right? That's the important thing is that it was to Mike Tomlin's team because they don't get beat up like that ever. Ever. And so we will get into that coming up as to whether or not the Niners are now the best team in the NFC. Are they the favorites even more so than the Philadelphia Eagles, who didn't look great against the Patriots, but still got a win? Plus, there's another sneaky angle with the Niners that people may not know about. We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.